Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 147, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Praise the sun. And Jordan. Valar fucking Margulis. We're, man, we're so close to E3, a couple of weeks out. Um, I can't wait. Let's hop into what we've been playing. Uh, I guess I'll go last. Uh, out of you two, who wants to shoot first in terms of what you've been... You want to go with Jordan, maybe, to do the mystery game thing? Oh, yeah, what do you got, Jay? The mystery game. A game of secrets. Give us our clue, our weekly clue. Spent spent uh, several hours composing that little ditty. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, it's a pretty big clue, okay? Especially when you attach it to the previous clues. This game is a console exclusive. And I don't mean it's not on PC. I mean, like, it's only on one of the consoles. Ooh, okay. Got me? Yeah. I already forgot the other clues, so... Uh... You're gonna have to go back to the archives, Dom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, remember, you know, one of the biggest feel clues free to take notes if you want. One of the biggest clues is that he loves the music in it, and, and the UI. Uh, the UI is very is very good. He really enjoys the UI, yeah. And which is surprising for him because he says that usually in these types of games he doesn't like the UI, or maybe Just it was in, games, in, general. in general. Yeah, he doesn't like the UI. Yeah, so if I'm complimenting your UI, you done something right, kid. I'm gonna go with. I have my guess ready. Absolutely I don't. Re- I don't remember. Last week, was I allowed to ask if it was a Japanese-developed game? Yeah, we got shot down, uh, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty, did I get... you can figure things out, you know? Yeah. I'm, Context. I, I just don't remember. Okay. I have my guess. I think I may be right. Okay. I'm pretty confident in my guess, Dom, so if you want to go first. Ah, uh, shit. Unless you want me to go Dom, first maybe, by some time. Dom, maybe <laughs> yeah, you, you can alley-oop Jared... By asking a certain question, and then that can either solidify or, you know... Oh, yeah, because we both have Jared. a question available. Um, right. I'm going to ask... Right. Utilize the tools at your fingertips. Do you use a sword in this game? It's a good question. Um, if that's too specific and so- we'll give it away, I'll ask, do you use uh, a weapon that isn't a like a gun or like technology you know what so, i mean so it's like I'll, swords I'll, hammers i'll do you bats. one better i'll do you okay. one better jared and once again context clues guys there's a lot a lot here swords are equipable okay i think i have an idea of what i what, what's your question dom is this a swords this are a, usable i think i might have already asked this before but is this a a series it is part of a franchise, yes. Okay, okay. So, my the tough question here is I don't remember him saying if this was a game he is going back to or if it's a game he never played before his time playing it now. Because, like, mm-hmm. my guess, Tom, was going to I think be... that will outlaw that question. Okay, that's not allowed or that doesn't... It's irrelevant. Uh, well, outlawing would mean that it is not allowed. Not a lot. Okay, I have my guess, Dom. <laughs> yeah, go that gives ahead. me some context. My guess is, are you playing Neo? Ah, I don't know if swords Jared? are equipable, but I know you can play swords, play with swords, or use a sword. Jared? I don't know. Yeah, you are incorrect. Okay, 
Really? That's a good guess, though, because, yeah, there's a... There's a lot of stuff there. Did he play it before? Console exclusive? It's on PC, though. I didn't know that. I just assumed it was uh, console exclusive. It came... It was, like, delayed. I mean, it came to PC later, I think. My my assumption, Dom? I guess a console exclusive could mean... What I'm trying to say is that it's of the consoles... You know, of the the uh, brands, the different console brands, it's only on one of them. Okay, That's so if important. if your game was Neo, I would have been correct in my assumption because even though it's on PC, it's only on PS4. Yeah, I'm not even worried about PC. I'm worried Got about it. is cool. it on the other consoles? Okay. The answer is no. Uh, so Dom, my assumption is that this is either a Nintendo or a PlayStation exclusive. Not that Jordan doesn't play Xbox exclusive, but like. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of them. What else with? Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. for your guess, I, I would go one of those two. The problem is, I mean, there's it could be PlayStation 3. Ooh, you know what it could, could be? be well, didn't, that new Steam, didn't that new Steam World game come out? Steam World no Quest? Steam, didn't Steam World Quest come out? I don't know if that's Switch exclusive, though. It's the it's in the same franchise as Steam World Dig, the other... I don't know if you've played any of the Steam World games. If you don't have any ideas, I would tell you you should guess Steam World Quest, and maybe that might be it. Yeah, let's go with Steam World Quest. Dominic, you are incorrect. Okay. I think I think next time we need to ask loosely when it's come out or something like that. We'll figure yeah, it we out. need to get a time time ranger on this. Yeah. It doesn't I need to be specific. Give you, but... I could give you down to the release here. Oh yeah, let's roll with that for sure. For next week, so he can tell us it now, but obviously we yes. can't guess again until next week. Sure. So, um, Steam World. I've never played Steam World before. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought about playing Steam World. Steam World Dig is dope. Uh, Quest got like mixed reviews, but Steam World Dig is really a really totally, cool platformer. Totally, like uh, uh, recognize for sure what yeah. the dopeness of people loving steam world but it's like not necessarily my wheelhouse anyways before i say too much i shall move on um so what i would like to speak about today about what i've been experiencing is a shift gentlemen um i have decided to cut out a lot of the content that i've been uh consuming regularly up until this point and um, there were several things that led to this decision, but um, I have begun uh, just like there's certain TV series that I was in the middle of that I've decided to put away, comic books, video games, you name it, um, just because I've realized that <laughs> there was a time in my life where I wanted to kind of be encyclopedic in maybe my knowledge or just kind of my awareness of all different types of entertainment, whether, like I said, be comics or anime, video games, movies, what have you. So um, that time is not necessarily uh, at its peak anymore because I feel like I have that knowledge and I've, I can have a intelligent conversation about any of those subjects. And um, so I'm not trying to like because, like, when you get into anime, for example, you want to, like, watch some of the animes that people are super into. You want to check out Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist and Dragon Ball, maybe, because you want 
to be able to have conversations with people and same with comic books um, and I've gotten to that point right like I, I, I feel comfortable so um, just like tons of stuff has gone stuff that normally I, I was enjoying but just not um, massively um, and so I'm narrowing it down to the stuff that I'm really fucking into and also um, coming around to the fact that I have to be okay with and I've done this with video games recently and now it's ble bleeding into other stuff where I have to be okay with putting something down and not feeling like well The Walking Dead I've spent eight, nine seasons with it I've put this much time into it I've got to persevere it's like I don't like it why am I watching it and I haven't liked it for a while, you know, so it's not like it's just a, a, a momentary thing. Um, so I'm just, I'm just getting that stuff out of here. I'm, I'm decluttering my uh, content intake, if you will. Um, another big uh, deciding factor here was uh, the finale, series finale of Game of Thrones. And in my personal opinion, I think that that is single-handedly the largest fall I've ever seen from a television show um, and I was actually thinking uh, comparing it to Tokyo Ghoul um, which is an anime and you wouldn't necessarily connect the two but what Tokyo Ghoul uh, did was it was originally adapting uh, a manga as many anime do and um, for whatever reason they just decided to not do that anymore and kind of like go on their own direction um, they didn't even run out of book like uh, Game of Thrones situation but um, that show has gone from like something I was really into and interested in in the first season to something that was kind of going off the rails in season two and now in season three has become relatively unrecognizable and you're like getting just tiny bursts of characters that you're really into and like a whole big thing has happened in their lives that you just weren't even privy to and you're like but this was the main character last season or whatever one of them um and that is where i'm at with game of thrones where uh unfortunately for me just became totally unrecognizable by the end and i think that a lot of the um awesomeness i guess for lack of a better term that they had built up the high bar of quality would be a, a better way to put it I think was totally slandered and, and just uh, destroyed uh, by the end of it I think that the sole blame for that lies on uh, Benioff and Weiss uh, the creators and uh, biggest writers of the show and it seems like uh, they were very much ready to be done with this whether due to fatigue or wanting to move on to Star Wars, whatever it may be, uh, it just seems like they were ready to put this away. And that's not what Game of Thrones deserves. That's certainly not what the fans deserve that have put so much time and, and uh, passion into this uh, series over the years. Even waiting two years for this, in my opinion, relatively abysmal season, uh, final season. Um it's very very sad and the the craziest thing i told you guys that i spoiled myself on the the finale i thought it was going to be way worse than it was i didn't i still had plenty of problems with it and didn't think it was good but i thought this was probably one of the better episodes of the season and for what they did to fuck it all up in my opinion they did a decent enough job of 
utilizing what they had given themselves to finish it off um, in the end. So um, I, I'm not going into super specific details, one, because of spoilers, and I know that at this point that's kind of null and void, but still it's just there's so much uh, to discuss when, when I think of the issues at least that come to mind. Um, but it can really, in my opinion, be summed up with just, I don't necessarily want to use the word laziness, but maybe complacency on behalf of Benioff and Weiss and just not, um, giving it all that they had. Maybe this was the best they could do, but I just see a steady decline, um, since they've gotten off book. And so I don't necessarily think that, um, it had to be this bad. I think that um, the shortening of the seasons and and um, taking a year off and all this stuff, it it seemed like they just made some decisions that, uh, like I said, I don't personally agree with. So, um, but that is one of the biggest things that has uh, preceded this decision was just that I put so much uh, time and and so much of my heart and soul into caring about that series, and I'm glad for all the good times that were had, but, um, with the conversations and such, and there were plenty of, pl uh, perfectly entertaining, uh, times and seasons. Um, but unless we're all the way down that road, like we were with game of Thrones, I'm not going to like stick around for something that is just upsetting me. It's not just like, Oh, I'm not enjoying this. Like in a lot of ways, I felt like this season was straight up vindictive towards the audience and even sadistic in certain aspects. So I would say that um, with things like that, I'm just not going to put my, my time and, like I said, my heart and my soul into it because it's just not worth it. And it's not, it's not the end of the world. And, and so if, you know, I'm never, never going to be able to get back the time that I spend with a series like Walking Dead or Game of Thrones unfortunate as that may be game of thrones i'm okay with it because like i said there was so much good walking dead not so much because it's been bad for quite a while now and even like at its greatest point it was nowhere near the greatest point of game of thrones so uh with all that being said um you know like i said i can't get back that time but what i could do is if game of thrones or breaking bad or walking dead ends and everybody's still like Dude, that is the motherfucking shit. You gotta check it out. Then it's all right there, ready to go. I can watch it at my own pace and no harm, no foul. And people are gonna be talking about Breaking Fucking Bad for the next 100 years. So, and I'm not even the person that cares about being in on the conversation in the first place. So, uh, yeah, with all that being said, I think I'm gonna be taking a, a totally different approach to uh, the entertainment that I try to experience from here on out. And I had mentioned earlier about doing it with video games and so um i think you know you guys not that you're expecting me to finish games at any point but um i've become way more comfortable recently with not finishing games mostly because i've realized that a lot of games aren't worth finishing um the stories being told aren't necessarily there and then on top of that i think the way that games are currently being designed especially the big open world ones are um, there's so much padding in it that it's just not necessarily uh, worth it for me to seek out the end and I've beaten plenty of video games in my day so that's not a worry for me so yeah. it's a um, tough thing to yeah. do 
yeah, it's it's um, like it's a weird shift, and you know, sorry to go on this whole diatribe of like this far out thing, but um, I just think it's um, I've already noticed a difference in like how I'm enjoying things and uh, getting more enjoyment out of things. So I think it's beneficial. Yeah, that's the beauty of becoming an adult is realizing what you want to spend time on and what you don't want to spend time on. So Right, yeah. So it's good. And this yeah. is definitely like an adult shift, whereas like, yeah, me wanting to read every comic book that DC and Marvel put out, you know, five, ten years ago, that that is a little childish. You know, that is a little immature. So we're moving past that, you know. Yeah. Uh, Dom, you want to go next? Yeah, all I have, uh, I mean, I watched Game of Thrones too. Um, we don't have to go on. We could go on about that for weeks if we wanted to. But um, as far as games that are not about Thrones, I played more Sekiro. That was it? Because uh, I played a whole heck of a lot of it. And I've gotten literally every trophy in the game except for um, one for getting all, unlocking all the different skills. So last thing I'm doing here to get the platinum is just got to unlock all those skills. Just so. grinding. Yeah. Wait, so yeah. have you beat it multiple times in the last week where, like, you finish your first playthrough and then all the way through your second? I'm on my third playthrough, yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but you can also skip stuff too, right? Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Out. That's, like, like, that's cool. So the game is set up... Um, Especially with upgrades, as far I was talking to Jared a little bit about it. So you have a kind of a max on like how much health you can upgrade to, and so all sure. the mini bosses that give you the prayer beads that help you upgrade your health. Once you have that maxed out, um, you just you know on your subsequent play- playthroughs you just run past them because there's no reason to fight them anymore because they don't really give Damn. much XP, and you already have your prayer beads. So your subsequent new game plus playthroughs become much much faster because um, not you're better at the game. Even though the enemies are stronger, um, you know exactly where to go, what you need to do. You don't need to fight every last enemy. You're skipping a lot of stuff, um, and so on. So it's not uh, it's not nearly as crazy as it sounds. Where like, you know, I spent 50 hours or 60 hours in one playthrough, um, but each subsequent playthrough is like, you know, more like four or five at the most. So yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Man, that's that's, that's it. it. Uh, yeah. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. Each subsequent playthrough is how long? Like four to five hours or less if you really run quickly. For a full playthrough, just skipping the mini-bosses? Well, you're skipping yeah. a bunch of areas, yeah, because you're not having to worry about, like, defeating certain enemies or mini-bosses mm-hmm. or getting past certain areas. And, and you're you not just, like, exploring. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You're not looking for items behind stuff. It's just wild that, like, that's not even necessarily a speed run. You're just kind of, like, doing it quickly. Yeah, I bet speedrunners could do it in probably like two hours. Right. So without like, glitches not even or speedrunning, and you could beat the game that quick. That's wild. It's a, it's a weird thing about and the all the Souls games are similar to this where they're they're actually not huge. The world and this one is probably actually the smallest world as far as like surface area for whatever that's worth. And I'm just guessing, but um, the depth of the games are in you know a lot of other places. So yeah, when you're just speed running you're just going as fast as possible like main pathing it it's really small but you don't ever actually play it like that until you're on your subsequent playthroughs and you're trying to get specific items and trophies and stuff like that but uh the depth is more in uh in the in the gameplay and some of the minute exploration and being thorough as opposed to like a skyrim where the you know the depth is in the in the breadth of the world size and the geography right so 
And some of that time, too, is uh, every time Ashina Castle, don't want to spoil it for people, for lack of a better term, evolves. It evolves, what, twice? Twice? That to that, yes. that to that. Yep. So then your your first playthrough, you're figuring out what's changed, what enemies are new, where people are. Whereas in right. a subsequent playthrough, you're like, it's a Sheena Castle, I know where to go, just get past all this crap. I don't even, it doesn't even matter to me who's here. Yeah. yeah. Plus, dying. I mean, there were bosses where I spent a few hours on, <laughs> yeah, on yeah, yeah. you know, on their own. So there's that yeah. too, of course. Also, side questing so, and doing some, some prerequisite stuff for different endings, you already have those out yeah. of the way. You don't have to yep. worry about any of that, yeah. I was just going to say... Fun game. I'm sure there's other people that care, but uh, you guys don't have to worry about spoilers for me. You can go ahead and talk oh, about that. Yeah, that, that one wasn't necessarily for you. That was for people who maybe hadn't seen the evolution of the stuff because I guess that's different than a boss. Like You're much more likely to see like a screenshot or a video of like how to be X boss, right? But the way the world evolves in Sekiro is something that like you can prevent from spoiling very easily because that's not something people talk about on social media. So it's like an easy thing to avoid in terms of spoilers, you know. It's like, what's the point of mentioning it? Because it doesn't really do much for me to specifically explain the evolution, you know. By all um, means. But in the chat, you guys can go crazy. <laughs> chat it up, baby. <laughs> um, I'm with you, Dom, if you don't mind me going in terms of what yeah, I've been playing. Yeah. So we talked about I finished too. Um, I think for our first, uh, our first uh, defeat of the final boss, we did it differently. You gave me advice. <laughs> and you did more of the stay away, wait for your open opportunities and chisel them down, which mm-hmm. for me worked very well in the first two phases. The second two, not so much. It was just kind of unorthodox for me. It just didn't feel right. So I was looking up some videos on how, and this was after, I kid you not, maybe like 40 attempts at the boss or something like that. Like I just, you know, going, going, going. So it wasn't like I automatically gave up. I was just trying, trying, trying. And eventually I was like, I want to see what some cool strategies are because there are so many different prosthetic tools and they can be used differently. And it's more of a fault of mine and not the game that I didn't try experimenting with a couple of them because I found some of the other ones so effective that I was like, oh, this is my go-to whenever I need it, right? So when the final battle happened, I was looking up some strategies and apparently the umbrella that you use for the Guardian Ape fight to block his terror is very good in the final two phases because you basically use your fan to absorb his attacks and his bullets and then you return that energy onto him. And uh, it does quite a bit of damage, and it's just waiting for those opportunities. And he has two attacks, essentially, when you're far away. It's shoot, 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 and then you return the attack on him. And there's another one where he swings down on you, shoots four times, he jumps up, and all you have to do is move left, and he'll miss you, and then you return um, fire. It's pretty... I guess the hardest thing about it is the... What are the spirit emblems, right, Dom? Those are what you yep. used to, for the prosthetics. You, I have a max of 19, and in order to beat the boss in the last final two phases, you need about 25 to 28-ish. So uh, you have to use the, um, what is the item called, Dom, that gives you spirit emblems that cuts your life in half? It's called like the oh, Tichro yeah, or Tatro or something. It's essentially an item, Jordan, that for half your life, it gives you five more spirit emblems, right? So the best Bloodborne way to had use something it is, similar. Yeah, you use it, get those five extra spirit emblems because you'll run out because you can only carry max of 19 at a time. Well, I could at the point I was in the game. So I'd go to zero, I'm on the final phase, and I still need some spirit emblems to use the umbrella. So I use that thing, cut my life in half, use a gourd to heal up real quick, and then rinse and repeat. Um, The fight takes a little bit longer that way, but uh, it's definitely worth it because you can actually beat him because he's... I wouldn't say he's, like, super, super difficult. It's more of a stamina thing, right, of, like, four phases. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a... So a that is a huge thing in Souls. 
uh, where we've talked about how, um, for the most part, and let's just say in Sekiro, I think, Jared, you said there's like two bosses that aren't like this, where uh, Souls bosses or From Software bosses will have a cycle that they go through of attack A, attack B, attack C, attack D, attack A, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that part of what they're doing there is they want you to learn uh, the boss's different phases that he goes through, he or she goes through, and kind of uh, almost train yourself specifically to this boss, you know, train yourself to be able to beat this boss. Um, but then also they're doing the, the multiple phase thing for uh, testing player stamina. Yeah. Um, where they want to see, like, can you... Because what it is is your mind naturally wants to default to button mashing hack and slash, right? You're, like, getting pissed off at a guy. You're like, if I just go in there and just whack him enough times, then he'll just die. And that's not the way it is because they have such big health bars and you have such small ones. So um, they're pushing upon that, that concept of player stamina of, like, are you able to maintain your patience long enough to study and train and defeat this multi-phased boss? Yeah, so like Mega Man bosses are essentially like uh, the NFL Super Bowl, right? You beat that boss once, you're done, right? Yeah. It's only one life, you beat him, you're done. That's basically the NFL, it's one yeah. game. Uh, a lot of uh, from bosses are essentially the NHL or NBA playoffs where it's a series, right? So you have to like continuously go the through it, make sure series. you have the stamina... And it's not about winning once; it's about winning multiple times without failing. You know, um, it's yeah. it's I, I like it, uh, especially with the final boss in this game. The cool thing is that um, the first phase is completely different. It's uh, Genichiro. The second phase, you switch over to Ishin, who's like the older guy, who's kind of like reincarnated. Just and, climbs out of him, by the way. The exactly. transformation there is fucking weird. Yeah, he, like his like shoulder breaks open and he like climbs yeah. out of him like he was like his Dude, cocoon. Japan loves body horror. They are yeah. all about that shit. <laughs> the second phase is basically it's a completely different fighting style, but it's like fighting another normal human, uh, as normal as it gets in the world of From Games. Um, and he just has like normal attacks that you used to, but they're quick, right? And they're they're fast paced. Uh, the third phase it introduces that he has a spear and a gun, like I talked about before. And the fourth phase is that same thing as the third phase, except he introduces lightning attacks. So it kind of builds on itself. Um, anyway, so with Sekiro, I realized that I didn't. Uh, it's harder to save scum on Xbox with the From games, especially Sekiro, than it is on PlayStation with the whole cloud saving stuff. So yeah. um, I didn't do a certain thing before running into the owl again, so I wasn't able to get multiple endings, so I just got the standard one, which I really love. Spoilers for the end of Sekiro for people listening, but uh, you come to find out, Jordan, at the end that it's all cyclical, and you know the guy you run into at the beginning of the game that's carving the Buddha statues? At the end of yeah. the game, uh, Sekiro is the guy carving the Buddha statue, and you're waiting for the next shinobi to show up to take the prosthetic arm. It's like a very cyclical thing. It was really cool. Um, that's the like oh, standard. Okay. So basic when you first ending. said that, I thought the guy that you meet is yourself, but you're saying no, you just inherit his like title or whatever. His burden essentially, yeah. So like he disappears after the last Ashina Castle evolution when they attack, uh, or somewhere around there. I don't exactly know what event triggers his disappearance, but it's around that time in the game, and he's gone. And then at the you end of the game, figure out 
you figure out what he becomes, right? Uh, no, you can spoil it for me though, because that's I, I, that's not in the the main ending. Yeah, so I didn't realize that I read it, but um, he's actually the demon of hatred. Ooh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So the demon of hatred is actually one of the optional bosses at the end of the game, Jordan, mm. that you can beat. And we were Dom and I were talking about this. Uh, he's one of the bosses you can cheese. Like it takes a, like actually quite a bit of skill to get to this area to cheese him off the map. Um, I didn't know you could cheese him, so I fought him a bunch and finally beat him. And then Dom and I talked about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's the cheese." So, um, but he's a pretty tough boss, and he's really cool. He's like, he reminds you a lot of like a Neo Demon, like big and red, you know, like a typical like Japanese inspired. Looks like a Bloodborne demon. boss for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at the end of it, you you're sitting there and you're carving the booty yourself. So it's like, in a sequel, I had my mind racing because this is the general like standard ending. Obviously, there's multiple multiple endings, but this is like. You assume the canon one or the one they'll likely go with is, you know, most from games have a standard ending and then a bunch of different wild ones, which I haven't looked at yet that I'll get to. Huh. Make um, it wild, the, man. So yeah. wait, then, Dom, what's the Bloodborne standard? Because I, not to brag, but I got the ultimate ending on my first try. So <laughs> Nice. I would say the Bloodborne one is... um. It would be whatever, like, you just don't screw with any of the umbilical cord stuff and you... Uh, I think it's actually never mind. There's one where you basically can submit to Garman and you don't even fight him and he just kills you. Um, okay. But the standard I would say is probably like you fight him and just him, and then right. that's the that's one I believe I where you become. It's actually kind of like Sekiro. You become the next Garman yeah. basically in the yeah. Hunter's okay, Dream. Yeah, I do yeah. remember that. Usually the yeah, standard endings in the From games are the ones that end with the shittiest situation for you, the character. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I was actually proud of myself. I am actually going to do this right now. I got all three umbilical cords just because I explored every inch of Bloodborne without even meaning to. The only thing that I didn't get, Dom, was the secret uh, boss... What is it? Like, the maiden in white with blood on her dress. Yeah. The uh, so, so the reason you miss her too is because that's the one that requires going through all the chalice dungeons and getting a ridiculous amount of different collectibles. Um, and you have to do a lot of farming to get down to the deep deepest level of the chalice dungeons where she's at, and that's where the hardest bosses in the game are all down there. And your so health is cut in half. Do, it's absurd. The the craziest part of unlocking her is has to do with like uh, how you use the chalice that unlocks that dungeon, right? Like you have to. Because it's like a, a mixture, right? That you're, you're, uh, when you're activating these chalice dungeons, right? Yeah, it's weird. So each one you have to have certain collectibles to unlock the right. next level of chalices. And it's been right. a while, so I might be, I might slip up here on some details. Yeah, it's but, very fuzzy yeah. here, but I think what happened was, like, I even did what I needed to to be able to get to her, but just not knowing the combination that it took to activate that dungeon. I didn't I didn't do it so yeah that was like so fucking frustrating because um, I did all the challenge dungeon stuff and then realized like oh yeah this one optional boss but maybe that's just tiny as bit reason to go back and play Bloodborne someday oh, so you should right. you should um, in terms of the narrative and stuff what I will say is this is the first from game that I've played where at the end of it, I have like a story in my mind without having to watch <laughs> YouTube videos. Yeah. And it's actually a really cool story, but it's yeah. not a traditional AAA narrative or any narrative really in video games. 
uh, that's like good where it tells you mostly everything and there's few questions it still toes the line with from where there is a bunch of stuff that I want to know about with characters that I can go and watch lore videos so I think it, it still stayed true to from in a lot of ways but it didn't yeah uh, it wasn't as like um, I don't know uh, abstract ambiguous and, and, and abstract, yeah yeah um, yeah I really enjoyed my time with Sekiro Maybe Dom and I will do a spoiler mode or something in the future. Is that the word you were looking for? Esoteric. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. Finally beat it. Um, I still have my save right before you talk to Kuro, just because I want to go and uh, clean up some bosses and fight some people. Not necessarily because I don't. I don't think I can get a lot more achievements, but I just want to, you know, fight them. I'd rather keep that save because I don't know if I'll ever go back to New Game Plus anytime soon. Maybe in the future. Uh, what else did I do? I uh, watched Escape Room, which I've been wanting to watch for a while now. Uh, enjoyed it. It has, obviously, Karen Page from uh, the Netflix Marvel shows. Um, it actually has a couple of Netflix actors. It also has um, the uh, the Indian kid in it is from uh, Atypical, which is another Netflix show that I really love. Uh, yes. it's, it's a cool story. It's very... It's... it's it feels like it wants to be Saw 1, but it feels more like Saw 3, if that makes sense. Like, Saw, <laughs> Saw 1 and Saw 2, Only I think, are Saw, really... Saw 1. Saw 1 is, like, I think a masterpiece. I think it's, like, one of the it's best really movies ever made. Yeah. I think Saw 2 is good, and then Saw 3 is where the, it r really dips. Um, it just gets a little bit too wacky. And with Escape Room, I don't know if either of you have seen it, uh, it's a fun movie. It's, like, don't go into it serious or anything, but I do think it's a very enjoyable watch. Um... Especially if you're so, interested in, like, escape room culture at all. It's it's kind of a very uh, funny poke at that whole zeitgeist that's happening right now. Um, since you brought it up, Jared, last night I watched Us. Ooh. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I still need to get to it. Oh, I thought you had seen it. Okay. I no, Dom's the only one. I think Dom's the only oh, one of us that went and saw it in theaters. Yeah. I still need to get to it. So I think that you should watch it, Jared. I will. It's but. it's on my list of because I have a list of like the ten, like backlog movies I want to get to. So whenever I feel like watching a movie, I look at the list. I'm like, which one of these do I feel like watching? And then I pick one. That's how I got to escape. And I was like, I feel like watching a movie. Which one of these on the list of stuff that I want to watch? Um, Moonlight recently came to Netflix too, and that's a movie on my backlog list that I want to get to. Oh, dude, well, yeah, watch that one. Shit. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, well, two things. One, it's a very nerdy card game thing. Um, I play Magic the Gathering Arena, and sometimes I play ranked, and I'm pretty close to gold, which is cool. So the rankings are like bronze, silver, gold, diamond, platinum, and they all have like five nice. levels. And it's just me passively playing and winning matches. Um, I'm just like pretty – because of my experience with Magic, I'm pretty good at deck building. So um, I have pretty decent decks. It's not me like putting in a lot of effort to rank up. I'm just – uh, you you know when you're that low ranked and you move up, you tend to play people who they're low ranked for a reason. Either it's that they don't play a lot or they're just not very good, right? So I'm almost gold, which is cool by accident. Uh, and I also started playing Wargroove. Um, Dom and I said that after we finished Sekiro, we were gonna get to what remains of Edith Finch. Um, we haven't gone there yet because obviously Dom's still cleaning up Sekiro. What, you um, but guys in the, got your own little book club going on over there? Yeah. Well, it was on the podcast. He was like, well, after I finish Sekiro, I think I'm going to play What Remains of Edith Finch because it's like a shorter game and it's a nice, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Palette cleanser. cleanser. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I haven't played What Remains of Edith Finch either. He Esoteric. recently got it on PS Plus. 
I recently got oh it's on Game Pass so we're like oh let's just play it at the same time so it's like okay cool but in the meantime what remains of Xbox Games Pass exactly uh, started Wargroove really enjoying it I'm still like in the third or fourth mission so I doubt I've gone to you near where you were saying where it can get a little frustrating in terms of trying to figure out the puzzle that is the where to move you know soldiers in a certain way to come out victorious or get more stars and have a little bit more of a an accomplished the thing feeling. that annoyed me is attack power being directly tied to health. Yeah. So if your unit's at twenty percent, is uh, attack power. I don't know as if, I don't know if it's at twenty percent as well, but it is greatly diminished. Exactly. Yeah. Enjoying it so far. I'll report back when I get deeper into it to see if those things bother me as well. Um, hasn't so that yet. Hasn't- Hasn't yet, okay. No, but, I mean, I'm not near, like, where it gets, like, at least medium difficulty, right, where that stuff really starts to matter, and then I'll realize if it's something I enjoy in terms of strategy or if it bothers me like it did you. It can go either way at this point. I have no idea. Um, What I will say is that the intro animation to this game is beautiful, and I would love to watch an animated show of it. It's so cool. It's, like, really well done. Um, It's... It's kind of American anime, you know, or Western yeah. anime vibe, so. Love it. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, talked about Escape Room. Is there anything else? I think that's pretty much it. Let's hop into the news. The news, news, news. First off, quickie news. Uh, speaking of horror games, uh, or horror, we're talking about Escape Room, which is a horror movie, but um, we've been waiting to see what Until Dawn was going to do. Uh, they announced, obviously, the Dark Pictures Anthology, and they announced Man of Medan, right? Which is this horror game taking place on, like, a haunted ghost ship, like a pirate ship kind of thing. Um, we had been waiting to uh, for a release date, and they recently announced that it's coming out August 30th. So, that's good. Um, we had talked about uh, the anthology being a good thing for Supermassive, because it allows them to tell these shorter experiences and kind of explore different horror genres, right? Um... So it's cool to see a uh, release date of August 30th. Personally, I would like it to be a little bit closer to October just for the vibes. But uh, I think it could be a very successful launch date, right? Uh, late August before the whole rush of fall comes on. Man, I'm pumped. I am too. I'm excited to play this game. I don't know if they've announced a price yet, but I doubt it'll be $60. I think they did. Why it's am I, 30 Why do I not care about this, guys? I have no idea. <laughs> I want to care. I know that's a weird question to ask. Okay, wait. Developer again, Jared, I'm sorry. Supermassive, the Until Dawn guys. Supermassive, Until Dawn. Like, yeah. Is it because, do I feel um, like they've gone kind of like a dime a dozen on these types of games? Because they did, like, the PlayLink? Is that what it is? Yeah, I mean, I don't... uh, They they have done... They did the... I think... No, it wasn't PlayLink. It was the other one. Maybe it was PlayLink. They play did a PSVR game. PlayStation thing where you play on your phone for your PS4, right? Yeah, that might have been them. Um, they did two of those. They did PlayLink, and, and then they did... this is starting a new episodic thing, correct? Yeah, this is the Dark Pictures Anthology. This was announced, like, yeah, a year yeah. and a half ago. Right, um, I remember this. So, yeah, I, I just feel like, first of all, they need to do a, a full Until Dawn sequel. Who knows if that's, like, wrapped up in some bullshit. But they're obviously working with Sony, so who knows. Yeah, I just think that, like, I want this to be dope, and I definitely want to enjoy it, but I just feel like they're doing a bunch of, like, ooh, are they getting into Telltale range of, like, 
lots of different episodes just coming at you all the time. You know, like so lots this... of different bite-sized stuff. Certainly seem to be a higher bar than a Telltale game. Yeah, so this, um, they're not connected as far as I know. Maybe they're in the same universe, but the different uh, episodes, I think, are very, are just, you know, they're individual games. Yeah, they just happen to, yeah. Maybe they have the same, like, horror rules of a universe or something, but they're definitely disconnected story-wise. Plus, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty confident these are multi-platform now as opposed to Until Dawn. Uh, yeah, that's the whole reason that they're not working with Sony is because they wanted to do a multi-plot game. Right. Okay, uh, to your point, Jordan, it wasn't PlayLink. They did the Inpatient, and they did a Bravo Team. Supermassive didn't do those two PlayLink games. No, I'm looking at their Ma- release of games. It wasn't them. Is They did Hidden thing? Agenda. Which is? Uh, the, it, was <laughs> the, it was the crime thriller uh, PSVR game. And then they did Inpatient, and then they did Bravo Team. I looked to see who did PlayLink. Let's see. PlayLink. They may have been a support developer, but it's not listed on their Wikipedia. Paylink developer. This is PSVR or mobile, right? Like this PlayStation. The flagship developer on PlayLink. 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 Yeah, Hidden Agenda is a PlayLink game. Yes. So yes, yes. It just it it wasn't telling you that Hidden Agenda was a PlayLink game. So the the lead developer in PlayLink was Wish Studios, and they got shut down in February of this year. Okay, but when they debuted PlayLink, it was Hidden Agenda. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. So they were in a hidden. They're in PlayLink, but they they weren't the ones who did PlayLink. They were de- they they were the de- <laughs> debut. So that's what I remember. Yeah. Um, I I'm really excited for it. Uh. The I, I just like Until Dawn, and to me, if they're going to be wanting to be a third-party developer, obviously they can't do Until Dawn too because it's a PlayStation exclusive. Um, the, my one worry is that uh, that this game won't be nearly as like crisp-looking as Until Dawn because it is a third-party platform and they're not working directly with the platform holder. Um, but from what we've seen, it looks pretty good. I just want to see more. I hope we get another trailer at uh, E3 that really sells people on it um, because I don't. I don't think we've seen a whole lot of the game, and I don't think it's had uh, a, like a solid trailer to pull in like a large audience of people. And uh, we definitely don't want the telltale situation, like you said, Jordan, where they release a bunch of these smaller games that they don't sell, and then it leads to yeah, like trouble. Hidden Agenda's sixty-six on Metacritic. I'm not even gonna look up uh, Rush of Blood until dawn because we know that's not up there as far as Meta Metascore. So it's like. You know, I'm just worried about them. Um, it's genuine concern, and I sincerely hope that uh, Man of Modon, is that what you said? Madon, yeah. Man of Madon. Madon. Uh, I, I hope that it's awesome, and I hope that this anthology turns out really great. Yeah, I'm just glad we have a release date. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Absolutely. Dom, you sit, we're going to say something about the price? 30 bucks. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, next up, this uh, is... I guess interesting to us partially because uh, Lord of the Fallen is a tries to be a From game, you know, in many ways. So yeah. if you've if you guys remember, we've heard a bunch of stories about Lords of the Fallen, Lords of the Fallen 2's like development and how it's Switch developers, um, and it just had a big old mess of a time. 
Turns out it's in more trouble. So following a disappointing vertical slice presentation of Lords of the Fallen 2, CI Games, who is the publisher, uh, has dropped the developer Defiant Studios. And there's no, de- there's no developer in line to take on the project, so it's re-entered development hell. Uh, the craziest thing is, so the managing director for Defiant Studios, right, who's the, the developer that got taken off the title, he refutes that uh, CI Games comments about the studio's quality of development. So, you know, the whole situation of it being uh, determined that they would be moved off of it based on the vertical slice. And he says that he wants to provide more information, but he can't elaborate due to uh, contractual agreements that are in place with CI Games, right? So NDAs and non-disclosure agreements. Uh, Did you play Lords of the Fallen, Jared? Yeah, we've talked about it. I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. Um, is this game worth a sequel? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's sold well enough to earn one. At this point, I think it may be the, you know, uh, the sunken cost fallacy kind of thing. You know, it's See, like... See, this goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Like, it could be better. You know, the sequel could be... The Order 1887 could have been the shit. You never know. Yeah. The fact that it's switching so many developers' hands and, you know, no shame to Divine Studios, whether the comments are true about the vertical slice being disappointing, uh, it's not in the hands of a developer that, like, I have seen other titles that give me hope. Um, Right. Honestly, at this point, I think they should just stop even trying to do it. Hey guys, could you just like stop, stop even trying to do this? Um, I guess the, there's not much else to say there. The last thing, uh, so Sony Interactive Entertainment launched the PlayStation Productions, uh, which is an internal production studio focusing on adapting PlayStation's properties into projects for film and television. Uh, weird. No, don't do it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's weird. Why do this? Why not? If you, dude. This screams like Microsoft 2013 TV, TV, TV. Okay, so I'm going to take the positive approach. Even though I don't think it's going to end up positive, I think I'm going to try the positive approach here and say this will be, uh, this will allow uh, for people who are truly passionate about the games to develop the movies and therefore they will actually be good. Well, yeah, I just hope that it's people that that can make good film and television. That you know, it's one thing to be yeah, passionate about it. Yeah, could be a Marvel it. Studios situation. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, but I don't think that this aids that necessarily, right? Because why not give something, give a specific property to Netflix? You know, as someone who is passionate about it, has you know the idea to produce it or whatever it is. Um, much like fuck is that game called that has the Netflix anime Castlevania, right? Um, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was passionate about that game. Ari Shankar. The series. Yeah. Yeah. Ari Shankar. Yes. Ari Shankar, um, yeah. So you can still, I think, Jordan, that's obviously, like, that's the most important thing if you're going to have a series based on a game, right? Is to have someone who yeah, loves that that yeah. content and stuff. Um, but I think you can yeah. do that Dude, um, even if someone else is producing it. Fucking God of War, Sly Cooper. Oh, there's so many PlayStation properties that I could think of, man. Well, that I think, yeah. Like, if, if they really do it. They could fucking... Do, I mean, you know, Ratchet and Clank. People shit all over that movie. Up until <laughs> Detective Pikachu, in my opinion, that was the only vid- good video game movie. Uh, yeah. And I, I still think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. But also, can we just appreciate the fact that we finally have a truly quality 
video game movie. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's worth Cheers. noting for sure. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say is after this announcement happened, there there was confirmation that a Twisted Metal series is currently in development, TV series. So there's that. Um, the one thing with this that I'm not surprised <laughs> that this Also remember, happened. The Witcher is a book adaptation. Yeah. yeah good point. Good point. Um, yeah. So the one thing with this is obviously we know that PlayStation is uh, – they basically account for about 30% of Sony's overall revenue, so they're very important to Sony as a whole. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me that Sony's like, hey, this PlayStation thing is really successful. We're having a tough time taking these properties, moving them to the Sony side of things. How about we just try to do it all internally? And to your point, I do agree that there, it's a higher chance that there will be people that care about these properties trying to put them into film and television. My biggest concern is working with people who know how to make good film and television you know you right. can care about it all live long day but if you don't have the proper people who are actually making the content then the passion doesn't mean anything that's a good point anything, jared that uh, they'll get the better the bigger cut you know or rather the entire cut of the profits when they make this themselves well they would get the profit either way because like uncharted was being made by sony all of them that they've tried have still been with sony it's just sony pictures right. as opposed to I meant- playstation as opposed to my suggestion of putting something on Netflix or oh, yeah. <laughs> Hulu or HBO, right? Then yeah. they would have to share the revenue, of course. Um, hopefully something good comes from this, but I think the figure that uh, people have, too, is that this is something that's not video games that's taking resources away from PlayStation specifically. So to see how that plays that's, out as well. Um, I feel like that's a different Jared, thing. It's you know different. what? I I, Sorry, it's, I'm not saying it's valid, Dom. I'm saying it's a worry because yeah. people are going to be like, oh, God, now they're worrying about television and film. Let's just focus on the great ex- exclusives you guys already give us. You know. What, what I would love to see is a, um, you know, because um, Days Gone is, is not like any TV series we already have, right, guys? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sons of Anarchy. Um, but Sons if of they Dead. did a... Uh, Days Gone. Now, Jared, this would be my dream. If they did a Days Gone TV series starring John Bernthal, that would be my dream! (laughs) That's funny. Wow. Uh, For those who don't know, there's a joke in the upcoming uh, E3 Predictions podcast. Oh, no, 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 no! This is Origins, bro. This is is the prequel, bro. Oh, God. Just let it ride. Uh, Anyways. Let it ride. We gotta move on, because we need to... Uh, you know, move on to the other big stories. So the April MPDs, uh, obviously, shout out to Matt Piscatel at Ms. Matt Piscatel over on Twitter. He's the boy over at MPD for the the video game industry, and he posts all of the the numbers every month. So I just want to give him a shout out because I don't think he gets enough credit for delivering all of this stuff in a digestible manner um, through Twitter, even through a Twitter thread, which is dope. So there's not a lot here. There's a couple of notes that I want to talk about after I do the top games. Um, we're not going to go through each individual one, but can, if you already know them, Dom, because you tend to know them, uh, don't answer this, but yeah. Jordan, what do you think the best-selling game for April was? Hmm. Fucking what came out in April, dude? There was two major releases that came out. Uh, okay. a multi-platform release and a console exclusive. One's a fighting game. Devil May Cry and Mortal Kombat? No, Devil May Cry came out in February. February? I'm pretty sure February, March. Fuck me. Yeah. 
Maybe March. Devil but anyways, Mortal Kombat 11. Five. Uh, yeah, and the other one is Days Gone that came out. Days Gone. Oh, I literally just brought yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, March 8th. Which one do you, for Devil May Cry 5, March 8th. Uh, which one do you think sold uh, the most for the month? Oh, MK11, for sure. Yeah. So, top five for April. Uh, number five, Smash Ultimate. Number four, Division 2. Number three, MLB 19, The Show. Number two, Days Gone. Number one, Mortal Kombat. Um, top five games year to date. So, this is only for 2019. I, wanted, I made a quick note. Sekiro's at number 8, so it's still holding out of the top 10. Number 5, RE2 Remake. Number 4, Anthem. Number 3, Division 2. Number 2, MK11. So it's another game that debuted and automatically made it pretty high on the list. And still sitting at number 1, Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, Damn! Some news when and notes. When you walk away! Yeah, I, I'm inter- I would like I to know numbers it. in terms of... Because it hasn't been in the top 10 on any of the months after its release. It just... Maybe the initial sales have been It must have really been that strong. initial burst. Yeah. Or it's been 13 uh, years. steady, but I doubt. There's no way that shit's been steady, right? Yeah. Well, it hasn't been in the I top think... 10, so it's not selling. It's selling okay, but it's not selling like, extremely well month to month, you know? You guys want to know why Square Enix takes 18,000 years to bring out one of their in-house games? It's because they fucking can, and people get way too fucking hype off that shit and it builds up and builds up and Final Fantasy 7 Remake, dude I just can't fucking wait, man talking about it years before it's ever gonna happen, right? so it comes out and people just bust a fucking nut I guess, dude, like Final Fantasy 15, Kingdom Hearts 3 it keeps happening, even though we give them so much shit about it taking so long yeah, I mean and the thing with that is, uh, how long can those bridge, uh, bridges get burned to where people stop doing that? But we have yet to see that. Yeah. Uh, so some news yeah. and notes before we hop into the big news story. One, the Nintendo Switch was the best-selling hardware for the month in unit and dollar sales, once again. And it's still number one for 2019. Uh, we've talked about this before. It's the you know We're on the precipice of the PS5 and the Xbox 2. So it's like, of course, you know Switch is the newest piece of hardware. It's going to be selling the best. Taking advantage of that. Um, one really cool note, Mortal Kombat 11 became the first game since 2008 to be the best-selling game for a month it, it uh, launched on all three major console platforms since Guitar Hero did it, Guitar Hero 3 did it, uh, in t- 2007. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, it sold, it was the best-selling game on the Switch, it was the best-selling game on the Xbox One, best-selling game on the PS4. Um... And I believe there was a, there was another note that I didn't add that it MK11 was like the first non Nintendo first party game to be the best selling title for a month since I forgot is, what the thing was. Is the Switch version even good though? Do we know? Uh, it's pretty pared down graphically, but people seem to be enjoying it. Like it's it's not like terrible. Yeah. So. See, I wonder about um, certain games. Could you just like? turn them into like 480p and get it at 60 frames on the switch and people are just like all right whatever man it's a small so i wouldn't i would not be surprised if this thing is hitting 30 i doubt it's hitting 60 speaking of that yeah i didn't think it was 60 60 frames you'd imagine that (laughs) apparently resident evil 4 on the switch and i just read this today uh prone to misinformation i guess but apparently Resident Evil 4 on the Switch is like 600p in handheld mode, 
and 30 frames a second. Oh, dude, dude, uh, Doom it's a PS2 game, man. Doom will drop down to like 360p sometimes, straight up what? digital right. foundry confirmed. Yeah, and that's and, fine. Uh, that's a current gen game, certain, at least. Like, fucking uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was like an exclusive made for the damn thing, and in handheld mode, it was dropping way, way down. Uh, during launch uh, days, so that was, it is unfortunately fucked up in that um, realm. And uh, to me, it says a lot more about like how well games are or aren't optimized for the thing, because like, like Breath yeah. of the Wild looks and runs great. Mario Odyssey the same way, and, and yeah. then yet a PS2 game they can't even do much with it. So I think I it's, mean, it says a lot about the development process, I guess. Also, I Zelda and Mario are like Nintendo's A team. You know, it's like. The, yeah, the, exactly. The best, yep. the best. PS2 yeah. Game? Uh, guitar Hero. Uh, Res- he said Resident Evil Four. Isn't that? Yeah, wasn't that PS2 oh, GameCube? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I don't know where it yeah. came first, but yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I guess it would be like, it's been remastered so many times. You right. kind of forget the original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The last note here before we move on to the big topic, Days Gone had the seventh best Sony published release, um, and it was the best selling game lifetime for Sony Bend. Which isn't surprising because they haven't really done... This is like their first major AAA. Um, interesting that it sold so well, considering it didn't have really good review scores. But, and we were kind of in a drought for games. And it's like a, an open world game. so And it's an exclusive. And it's a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. So it's like all of these caveats. I don't know if it'll have like continued success sales-wise. But it's cool that it sold as well as it did for Sony Bend. Because um, despite the not so great critical reception the fact that they spent all of this time on this game to be able to sell well is is good for the future of that studio specifically because there was some worry there that they spent all of that time on that game and it came out like as an okay game so at least it's selling pretty well i think the biggest thing is the uh, state of the bugs you know i haven't played it so i can't necessarily say for certain but uh, I can certainly say I've heard from plenty enough people uh, to say that this game clearly has a bug issue and um, not just little stuff here and there. Um, so from a Sony first-party perspective, that is not usually ever a thing. Their games are very stable, almost to Nintendo's standard, um, but they are making bigger games, so it's tough. But um, this wasn't just like the faces looking a little bit um, less emotive than they should in Horizon, for example, on the NPCs. Like this is game-breaking shit. So yeah, like God of War had bugs at launch, but it wasn't to this extent. You know, this is like I don't insane. even remember that. I mean, well, yeah, I God of War had God a of War. God of War had to receive a day one patch for. Uh, there was like a save issue and there was like another bug in it, but it wasn't like, like yeah. to your point, game breaking like this. It was just like typical yeah, day one been, patch. They've been good about that and it's weird. Like I said, I just don't know that Bend has it. And, um, you know, if they're making Vita games, that's one thing. Or they were making what we consider AAA on PS1. Uh, that's one thing, but. Um, it just doesn't seem like they're anywhere near the talent level of Sony's other first-party AAA studios. Yeah. 
Uh, let's get to this. Let's get to this last studio here. Uh, this last studio. Brain fart. This last news story. Uh, we're not all huge Call of Duty guys, but I wanted to cover this because it is very interesting. And Call of Duty is a major player in the video game industry. So anything, anytime anything happens where it shakes up the development of a Call of Duty game, it's pretty big news because it kind of has a cascading effect on essentially the f every fall, right? Because <laughs> the uh, new yeah. Call of Duty game comes out every fall. So I'm going to read through all this information. And we can uh, give our, our thoughts on it. But I want to get through all of the information. Once again, this is a really solid story by Jason Schreier, the scoop man himself, over at Kotaku. Scoop man! Uh, I condensed it, so if you want to read the full article, go give him the click on Kotaku. Obviously, Jason Schreier does great work. I don't have to say that. You should know that by now. Um, but let's get scoop into this. Man. So, it looks like Call of Duty's three-year development cycle may have been hit with a huge course correction. Call of Duty 2020, set during the Cold War, which was Sledgehammer's title... Uh, oh. They were being helped by Raven. That's what it was assumed that Raven was a. Uh, Fuck was... me! I don't know what's about to happen with this story. I really don't. But you just got me excited for a Call of Duty game, Jared. What the fuck? Uh, so remember this Sledgehammer is... featuring Ravencroft Cold War. That's all I needed to know. So yeah, don't get too happy. Angry, so yeah. <laughs> this is this is Call of Duty next year. So this is the what we assume is the first next gen Call of Duty, right? If the consoles come out next year, this isn't God this year's it. title. What's so uh, they were it was believed that they were being helped by Raven, that they were the support studio. Turns out that mm -hmm. now uh, they'll be the game will be being developed um, by Treyarch. It's going to be a Black Ops title, and it's due in large part to issues oh. between Raven and Sledgehammer. <laughs> It's due between uh, the change uh, to Treyarch and it being a, a Black Ops game, still set in the Cold War, is uh, due to issues between Raven and Sledgehammer. Apparently, Raven was asked to take a leadership role alongside uh, Sledgehammer on the project, which led to large tension between the studios that resulted in constant arguing and was labeled as a mess by two people familiar with the situation. So essentially, uh, Sledgehammer was working on this title. Raven was brought in. Sledgehammer probably thought, oh, they're our support studio. No, Activision oh told God. him, hey, Raven, you're going to be co-developing this game, essentially, in a leadership so, role. Remember how I was joking about Days Gone just being like a Sons of Anarchy ripoff? This is the Americans. The FX show. Like... I'm thinking about this fucking game that they're about to make, and I'm dying over here. Yeah, God so... damn it. So if people remember, the last uh, Treyarch game was Call of Duty Black Ops 4 that was just uh, multiplayer with the Blackout mode, right? The Battle Royale. So, yeah. essentially, uh, Treyarch will be taking over creative leadership of COD 2020, while Raven and Sledgehammer will serve as support studios on the title. That's huge. So, essentially, what's happening is, it's not Treyarch's game is coming out in 2020, and Raven and Sledgehammer are moving to a different year. Treyarch, mm. they're basically going to retrofit Raven and Sledgehammer's game, that's mm. a Cold War game, into the Black Ops uh, lore... Fuck. And so the story mode is going to be developed as uh, likely by Raven and Sledgehammer, and Treyarch will handle the multiplayer. So it's still happening in the Cold War. The only difference is it's taking place in the Black Ops universe of Call of Duty. Um, yeah, so now this Americans game that I just heard about is never going to happen. It is, like, because of the specific situation, like, circumstances that we're in here, it's like, that's never going to happen because they're basically... It's kind of like the whole uh, Amy Hennig Star Wars game, like it turning into something else. It's it's not happening. Well, and the crazy thing, so Infinity Ward is their game's coming out in 2019, rumored to be uh, Modern Warfare 4. 
next year, COD 2020 was supposed to be Sledgehammer, and the following year was supposed to be Treyarch. So now that Treyarch is moving back to 2020, that means yeah. that there's now a gap in 2021. There's no... Yeah, I was going to say, this Black Ops cycle is getting pretty quick here. So what people assume, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen, because this has never happened for Call of Duty, people think that it might turn into an Assassin's Creed situation. I highly disagree with that. Why would they not release these games every year? They sell like hotcakes. But it does cause an issue with the development, because once the 2020 game comes out, that means that are you having Treyarch build a second game the following year? Are Sledgehammer and Raven going to do a game the following year? Like, the whole development cycle that they've had for the past 10-plus years is completely thrown off now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fix everything. Because instead of having Treyarch move in to the 2020 slot, they're having all three of their studios, not including Infinity Ward, which is their fourth, but uh, kind of merged together on one title. So it might end up changing. the thing is, like, they... It's not even like they're doing three studios and you know a cycle of three games basically they even have a fourth studio so how did you fuck this up <laughs> uh, two other major notes uh both of the founders of sledgehammer left in 2018 michael condry uh, there you go <laughs> and glenn schofield people sh- should know glenn schofield's name he's the guy who uh basically made dead space he's the creator yeah, of the dead say, space jared where is sledgehammer from their former visceral, visceral guy. Exactly. They both left. Schofield started a, or Conjury started a new studio. Schofield is like still part of Activision, but he's like in the ether of upper management. Like no one knows exactly what he's doing. He's kind of in like a black hole. Um, Honestly, once they left to start Sledgehammer, dude, that was the beginning of the end for Visceral, even though it was pretty much the beginning. They had only just done Dead Space. But, you know, once they leave after Dead Space 1, we start getting Dead Space 2 and 3, and it's clearly, like I said, downhill. And they left Sledgehammer, and now we're hearing that Sledgehammer can't work, uh, or it's not just Sledgehammer's fault, but Sledgehammer and Raven couldn't co-develop a a Call of Duty game, right? So it's like they leave, uh, wherever they leave, it's not uh, not a good situation. Um, The also, another note on Call of Duty in general, is that despite selling well at launch, uh, as usual for Call of Duty games, Black Ops 4 hasn't had the revenue uh, stream that Activision expected. Activision execs have internally started discussing free-to-play as a revenue model, and three different sources suggest this year's Modern Warfare, rumored to be Modern Warfare 4, uh, that this entry may have a free-to-play component. So, yeah. Still can't get over this game. I'm not going to be able to play, man. <laughs> uh <laughs> The positive note is that Call of Duty will have another story mode this year, uh, and we assume with Infinity Ward, and then it might have another one, or we assume with, obviously, 2020. This is just crazy because uh, Call of Duty is a best-selling game every year, uh, despite all of the internet trolls and memes, and they're... Not whole... last year, as uh, Blessing would tell me, as far well, as we know. Yeah, um, good point. It's like, but Call of Duty doesn't count PC sales right true so it's like you'd assume it probably sold more if you counted the pc sales because red Dead didn't come out on pc anyways you know what i mean it sells very very well when a rockstar game doesn't come out uh <laughs> yeah the last the only times it's been beaten is actually by gta 5 and rock uh red dead redemption i was gonna say rock dead redemption allegedly asterisk allegedly yeah, yeah asterisk <laughs> um so i'm i don't think it's troubling in terms of we're going to see a call of duty game right and it's probably going to be of good quality at the worst 
it's just the fallout of all of this, like the ramifications of their schedule. Yeah, like, yeah. how does all of this shake out? Like, eh. what if Sledgehammer just helps on the 2020 game and then Raven actually takes over as a lead developer? Raven hasn't led a Call of Duty title yet. They've been the fourth studio that's out of the mix. And then how does that yeah. cause Sledgehammer? It's a very interesting thing to see how this all plays out. Um, to your point, Jordan, you're saying why... this this cycle of Black Ops is like, you're going to give us another Black Ops game? I mean, they sell, right. they're they the best-selling right. ones out of all the Call of Duty games, but... Ugh. It seems like it's about to stop being, like, Call of Duty annually, and it's just going to be Black Ops annually. Black but, Ops annually, um, yeah. Um, I just don't see why you're putting three studios on this game now. Either give it to... Give... Uh, um, Treyarch the assets and send a few guys over there to tell them what the fuck's going on. Or figure it the fuck out, you know, bring some guys from Treyarch or Infinity Ward to figure it the fuck out between these two, like, fighting siblings over here. Yeah. We, we had, we had you're to just, like, adding more resources to this already, like, you know, encroaching flame. I think Treyarch's not going to touch any of the single player. They're just going to focus on making the multiplayer. And I think they have Ray Raven and Sledgehammer like getting all of the notes from Treyarch and retrofitting Black Ops lore because there's going to be God, sequences at the change, character models at the change. It's it, they're like you know they're taking one thing and morphing it, you know, taking a round ball and pushing it into a triangle box. It's like I don't know how it's going to work. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting. We don't usually hear a lot of issues with the Call of Duty in terms of its development. It's always like the microtransaction stuff afterwards, and it always making the top sellers list every year. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, well, I will say this is coming off of, like you mentioned earlier, last year them not being able, apparently, not being able to figure out uh, their single-player Treyarch single player for Black Ops in time. Um, so it's like, what the fuck? You can't... You've been doing this forever, you know what I mean? It's like, you've been making shoes forever and you just can't make shoes anymore? You can't fucking figure it out? What the hell's going on? Well, yeah, and the crazy thing too is like, I think one thing people don't understand with investors is, though Call of Duty sells well every year and it's always like a great selling game, people always want more money, right? So it's like, oh, but we can do more. Oh, we can get more. Oh, we can get more. So it's like, that's why there's, there's, why would you think they're thinking about a free-to-play model? If this game's one of the best-selling games every year, you're like, well, you make so much money. Well, if they start talking about free-to-play, it's another revenue stream, right? Another way to yeah. get the people who don't buy Call of Duty every year to try it out and spend money. So it's all about more money, which is the point of a business. But sometimes greed like that can really disturb everything. And like we've seen now, it's like you've seen the steady... Uh, three-year cycle of Call of Duty games just every year, every year. And this is the first time in 10-plus years that we're seeing something like this happen. So, see oh, That we know of. If, I mean, who knows? Well, what, yeah. There could have been turmoil before. Yeah. We just, we're not to hearing the, I would say to this one. extent, yeah, you're, you're right. Maybe there obviously probably has been turmoil, but this is like so big to the point where we're hearing about it, right, from Jason Trier, yeah. like something. The fact that people described it as a mess, it's like, they're familiar with the situation, yeah. so you assume they're employees or whatever. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I always take so, that with a grain of salt. Like, you can find – I'm sure you could have found, like, a lot of people it, throughout, like, the development of God of War that called it a mess and, like, a procrastinated homework project just like Anthem. I mean, you can always find perspectives of different things. The, the, I, just, I think the product at the end is, like, the most telling thing. Yeah, but also those people saying it was a mess, they're not necessarily wrong either, right? 
Oh no! They're, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. So I guess your point—you're saying that yeah, they can call it a mess. It doesn't mean the game's going to suffer for it. Is what you're trying to say? Right. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. I mean, we don't—we won't know until it comes out, or it doesn't. <laughs> that would be a tell too, right? Jesus! If a if a Call of Duty game doesn't release in a year, that's going to—I want to know what year that. Happens. That'd be wild. Yeah. 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 That would be very telling. Definitely something different's going on than what has been. Jesus. Um, we got to get going, so let's get through what we're going to be playing and close out the show, guys. So for me, uh, probably play some of those more optional bosses in Sekiro, uh, Wargroove. Uh, whenever Dom gives me the green light, we're going to start Edith Finch. Uh, that's pretty much it. I don't want to dive into something too big before E3, um, just because I have a lot of prep work to do and editing and stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. Um might go see Aladdin. I'm either going to see Aladdin or Booksmart. Those are the two oh, nice. movies on my list. Um, Booksmart is like getting really good reviews, and it's essentially super bad with female leads instead of males. It's, it's reviewing very well, so I'm excited to see that. Aladdin is kind of the, one of those things like I'm just interested, you know. <laughs> to I'm see. with you on that. Yikes. I, I love know, the man. animated one. So. Yeah. I'm feeling yikes, but hey. That's that is something I did this week, Jared. I enjoyed my rewatch of Aladdin very much. The Blu-ray, Mwah! nice, it's wonderful. Uh, Dom, what are you going to be doing? So, the more I think about it, actually, next chance I get, we'll go ahead and uh, start Edith Finch because um, everything I have left to do in Sekiro is, uh, you know, it's good grinding skill points. So it's going to be all, all Vita remote play time. So. <laughs> There's no reason not to to go through Edith Finch here. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? That's so pretty much it. I that's it. I would yeah. say to you guys, I think you should try, you know, do whatever you want. But I would try uh, to play Edith Finch in one sitting. It's really not that long. I've heard that before. That, that was my plan. Yeah. I'm probably going to yeah. start it early, like on a Saturday or something, and just well, I don't not super early, but you know, enough time so I plan out to play it in one sitting. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, what are you going to be doing? So, the game of secrets. Um, that's a little shout out to Aladdin, the uh, Cave of Wonders. Ah, yes, nice, nice. The tiger voice, yeah. Or, if you want, uh, the prequel to the greatest game ever made, Jack X Combat Racing. Jack and Dax are the precursor legacy. Uh, the guys that you get the, uh, the orbs from. Anyways. Anyways, what I'll be doing this week. Um, definitely playing the uh, Game of Secrets, and um, I will be watching, gentlemen, the finale, not, no, not the finale, I'm sorry, the third episode that I haven't got to yet, the most recent episode, of uh, a new HBO show called Chernobyl. Have you seen it? On my to-watch list, yes. Of course. Yeah. So it's a mini-series, and would you believe it, guys? I'm already back on the HBO train. Um, I I seem to think, well, first of all, you know I, I don't think that this was an HBO issue uh, when it came to Game of Thrones. Um, but I've, you know, liked HBO for a long time and just recently finished Sopranos. So, um, yeah, I think this is also... Uh, a co-production with uh, Sky Television, which is a British thing. And so it's kind of funny that it's like these uh, Russian people, right? But they're all like super fucking British. And their names are Russian, but they're just like ultra British dudes. Um, so that's kind of funny. Um, doesn't necessarily take me out of it. I'm, I'm able to 
push through. But uh, yeah, definitely I would say worth the watch so far. Um, I wouldn't say it's blowing me away, but it's certainly enjoyable. And it is five episodes, so you know, two episodes in, I'm I'm down with it. It is fucked the fuck up as far as like watching real shit happen to real people. That is no fucking joke. Um, you're like seeing people's skin melt off. And, um, I think the most disturbing part about it for me has been that, uh, it's like all the chemicals that got released into the atmosphere are, are got released into our atmosphere that is not that far away from that. You know, it's like, it hasn't been that many years and, um, that's not like a fictional universe that this gaseous explosion happened in. Um, so it is kind of like, oh, damn, there's like, there's got to be like radiation poisoning still fucking up random parts of Europe that we just don't even think about, you know, so there you go, Chernobyl. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to episode 147 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. If you can, please uh, follow us on iTunes, leave us a review, it helps with the algorithm so we can move up the charts and people can see our podcast a lot easier. If you can, go to YouTube, type in Controlled Interest, we'll pop up. Subscribe to us, hit the bell so you know whenever we upload a new video because you can't rely on YouTube's subscription box because it's broken all the damn time. So make sure to hit that bell icon. Like the video too, helps as well in the algorithm. It's all about the algorithms. Uh, Twitter. Uh, we tweet out uh, whenever the video goes live. We tweet out a bunch of video game-related tweets and pop culture stuff. At least I try to. Uh, you can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. And you can follow Jordan at Melamotus. And uh, CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. That's the account for Twitter. And, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>